Welcome back to Leadership, Legacy, and Love. I'm your host, Russell Fugit, and today we have a very special and more uplifting story today as we celebrate Loving Day, which is now the 53rd anniversary of Loving Day. And for those of you who don't know, Loving Day is an annual celebration held on June 12th, the anniversary of the 1967 United States Supreme Court decision of Loving versus Virginia, which struck down all anti-miscegenation laws remaining in the 16 states. So fundamentally, it made uh, what we would call today supposedly interracial marriage legal throughout the United States of America. And this story is very important to me as my great-great-grandparents, uh, Josephine Anora, an Irish immigrant, and, and uh, William uh, Payne, uh, African-American um, son of former slaves from uh, North Virginia, North Carolina, I believe, met in Baltimore and had to travel to Washington, D.C., the federal city, in order to get married and go on to have six kids, the oldest of which is my great-grandfather, who uh, went on, among many other things, to be one of the first 35 uh, African-American attorneys in the state of Maryland. And so um, this holiday certainly has a meaning to me and, of course, my family, as you know, if you've listened to this podcast before. So today I'm really excited to highlight the story of uh, Paige Robnett, my colleague at Cook Ross, um, and the work in, for uh, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And also uh, her soon-to-be husband, Eric Barnes, who uh, also is a frontline worker as a physician's assistant here in Prince George's County, Maryland, in the hospital system during COVID. So without further ado, I know you're going to enjoy hearing Eric and Paige's story. Enjoy this episode. Uh, Eric and Paige, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Russell. It's good to hear your voice. As always. <laughs> so uh, first, I just wanted to, I guess, if each of you could, could start by, I guess, telling me a little bit about um, yourselves and, and, and what you guys currently do in this world and these times. And Paige, if you could start us off. Sure. Uh, well, hey everybody, my name is Paige Robnett, and I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner. Uh, my background is, is mostly in women's advocacy, uh, but I transitioned formally into the diversity, equity, and inclusion space um, and have really found that that is the way that I want to make an impact in this world. Um, and uh, I know we'll talk about it uh, more, but it's obviously needed more than ever with um, not just race equity, but um, everything that, that comes under that. So that's a little bit about me. Now, where are you from, Paige? I am from outside of Detroit, and thank you for asking because I'm very proud of that. <laughs> and because I knew that I had to ask that quick follow-up. <laughs> Detroit, Michigan. Yes, but we're, we're currently living in Washington, D.C. right now. Okay, and Eric, tell us a little about yourself. So hi everyone, uh, Eric Barnes. Um, I I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Um, so total opposite of the Michigan. Uh, grew, up, grew up actually hating Michigan, so it's also another dynamic into our relationship. I'm currently a physician assistant in the ICU, out in uh, Prince George Hospital Center. Um, so definitely an interesting time to work uh, during this COVID pandemic, um, but just doing the best uh, we can. Uh, I graduated back from Case Western in Cleveland back in September. Um, and prior to that, I worked at GW, um, and then before that was the James Cancer Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. Um, but I grew up uh, a little outside Columbus, um, so I'm always a Buckeye, Buckeye fan until I die, and then it's 
That's yeah, so for those sports fans listening to this, <laughs> the, the Ohio State University of Michigan dynamic runs deep in our families. And so that's just been Thanksgiving is always ridiculous every year um, because it's supposed to be a time where families are <laughs> supposed to come together. And in, instead, we're, we're often... Um, <laughs> Yeah. at each other's throats during that time but no it's it's pretty funny i always say that our relationship is is great for the rest of the year and then for a week it, it gets a little tense <laughs> um just because of her parents being huge diehard michigan fans then me coming from a buckeye uh, ohio fan so it's it's definitely uh, been an interesting time. yeah now we're in washington dc where no one cares so <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> Now, I know a few people who certainly care about that rivalry, and you guys are just <laughs> crossing so many uh, you know, lines here to, to find love, which brings me to my next question. You tell me, how did you guys meet? All right, so I'm going to let Eric take this one on. Um, we have a little bit, we, we both describe the story differently, so I'm curious to see how he describes it. <laughs> a lot of pressure. Um, <laughs> no, so we went to a small liberal arts school outside Columbus, uh, Denison University, um, where it's only 2,000 students so very small uh campus small amount of people um so you would imagine that you'd probably get familiar and uh, recognize everyone but oddly enough Paige and i we lived in the same dorms but had never met or crossed paths until our senior year and it was through kind of just a very random occurrence that w somehow we had very similar overlapping friend groups but just never met and then going into senior summer, I was doing research at the time, and one of her good basketball friends uh, was on campus doing uh, work over the summer. And so we were hanging out a lot more, and then Paige kind of saw my picture popping up a little bit more on her feed, and was like, oh, who, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Um, who is this devilishly good-looking man? I don't know if it went um, like that. And kind of just when going into senior year, she was like, I'm going to figure out who this guy is. And... Um, before I realized it, she kept popping up at, at parties. She stole all my friends and liked her a lot more than they liked me. Um, she kept trying to pursue me going to concerts, and I, I you know, stoically said no. Um, but she, she persisted and, you know, won me over. And since then, she's just really inspired me, and I've fallen in love. And, you know, just the rest is history, I guess. Is that, is that good enough story? Well, so the only thing that I will add, <laughs> I'm smiling right now. The only thing that I will add is that I, you're right in that we didn't meet until our senior year of college, mm -hmm. but I knew who he was. And the reason why I knew who Eric Barnes was, was um, we went to a sexual harassment and rape education training to be allies mm -hmm. on the campus. And he was one of only two men in the entire training. Um, so obviously very easy to spot. And I remember asking a friend, like, who is that guy? Um, months before we actually met. So you, whether you knew it or not, you were on my radar. And the more our paths just kept crossing, the more people would tell me he had this reputation on campus of just being not, not only a vocal feminist, which was rare, um, but also rare because he was captain of the rugby team and president of his fraternity. So two very like masculine right activities to do and to have someone who was such a vocal feminist really caught my eye. <laughs> um, but, but also just because he had the reputation of just being the most caring person on campus. I always say if there was a, a prom king of college, it would have been Eric Barnes. Mm -hmm. He, um, 
was the the person like people would call on to walk people home if if they were if they drank too much at a party or were in trouble um you were just always the person that people called on and you would be there you'd drop anything to be there for everyone and that was very attractive to me um but he he what he's also right too i was very persistent i i full-on courted him i was like it's senior year i've got nothing to lose and invited him to a bunch of things he didn't get the hint and through that was like okay well if he doesn't like me i really like his friends and so now now six years later it it has made for a really amazing community because we're just really family with each other's friends at this point um so yeah that's long story short that's that's how it happened Mm -hmm. i love those college love stories and so Really not the most romantic. Yeah, not, not, yeah, it wasn't love at first sight, we'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's beautiful. So uh, tell me a little bit about how um, the proposal went. I guess you guys have been here, here in D.C. For, for a few years, at least together. Mm-hmm. What happened there? And, and uh, Eric, I'm assuming you took the lead, or, or, or did Paige have to chase you down again on that one, too? <laughs> <laughs> she definitely she um i think for the longest time we've been dating for six years i would say a good four or five of that has been long distance uh yeah. she was in dc pursuing her career while i was still in, in columbus um, getting some more experience in the hospital taking a few more classes get ready for physician assistant school um and we were both so comfortable and also willing and wanting this relationship to last that we didn't stop each other from pursuing our own careers and so we we've been doing long distance and had to jump a lot of a lot of hoops and uh, overcome a lot of obstacles of communication and trust and mm-hmm. you know just making it work so that was a big thing um but for the longest time she was telling me like oh why don't i just propose yeah. Um, Paige is a huge <laughs> feminist and wants to do everything. Doesn't want, what doesn't want the guy to have to take the lead. She's like, why can't I do it? So she was always saying, well, wh- why can't I just do it myself? I can just go get a ring right now. And so <laughs> that was always tough for me. I was like, no, because I want to really do it. It's okay, because <laughs> I had planned something out. So unbeknownst to her, I had contacted all her like a good chunk of her family, like her her parents, her siblings. Um, I contacted her high school friends, her college basketball friends, um, my friends and my family, and had organized everyone to be on a campus, so Denison University. Um, At the time, they were having their first uh, Pride conference of uh, alumni and current students that identified in the LGBTQIA uh, group to just come together and talk about their experiences on Denison, but also how they were impacted as an alum, how they're still engaged, what they were doing for the fight. So Paige, being who she was, was all bored. And so she went to this conference, invited all her friends to go to this conference. And so it worked out perfectly that a good chunk of the people that wanted to be there were already going for this conference. So we had planned for this conference and I had organized everyone to meet on on campus (laughs) without her knowing it. And I actually, I went and actually participated in the conference because I was so paranoid that she was going to be like, why aren't you here? Because I was still in Cleveland at the time. And I was like, oh, she's in Columbus. So I have to, I'm going to have to come down and I would love to be in this conference to, to learn. Um, and so I go to this conference while texting under the table, everyone to be like, okay, go upstairs and hide. I'll give you the signal. And so we have Russell, wait, let me just say, Russell, <laughs> I, we were in, he just, you said, you were like, I'm sick. I can't come. And I was like, are you? 
kidding me? Like, it's like, Eric Burns, I am in a, a, there's a panel discussion happening right now on intersectionality. You would love this. Where are you? And, and then you were like, okay, I'll try to make it or whatever. I was like, this is pre-COVID. I was like, I don't care if you're sick. You got to get here. <laughs> very, yeah, not very um, sensitive of me, but. No, no. So I, I go and it's an amazing conference and amazing discussions. Um, and we get to this point later in the evening and I was like, okay, when they have the little break or we have dinner, I'll, I'll text everyone to to say that, okay, Paige and I will be walking. And so I pull her away and she's not willing to leave because she's networking. She's like all about <laughs> like, okay, who am I talking to? Who can I learn from? Who like all these people are so inspiring. And so I'm like, oh, Paige, this, this walk around campus is beautiful. Like, I don't want to leave. Yeah. You're like, I just got cake. And I'm like, no, come on. We got to go. Um, and so I, uh, <laughs> she didn't want to go. So, but luckily we, we just walked around campus. We walked through a quad. Um, because the, all this was happening at the student center, which is in the middle of our academic quad. So we walk around the academic quad. It's raining, super it's dramatic. Pour, it's pouring rain. So had that umbrella, super romantic. Um, and so we just walk around. I was telling her like, oh. Uh, yeah, what did you say? Because I blacked oh, out. Oh, that's fair. Um, just talking about how like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy that I had met you. You've you've like changed my life. Like you've put me down a road and brought the best out of me more than I can ever expect. And I'm just talking about it and just reflecting. And it's, and it's great being on our campus that we had met. And she didn't know, but people were now walking behind us. <laughs> and so we get down to this hill and this is, it's beautiful landing that it just looks over our, our uh, the South quad. And I like stop and I turn to her and say, this is amazing. I, I just want to, I don't know. I, I want to spend my the rest of my life with you. And, and it was at that time that she turns around and, everyone's on the steps looking at us all our family all our friends and they're just cheering us on <laughs> and so i i get down on my knee i propose and because i knew this was so important to her um i had already bought myself a ring and so after she kind of the initial oh my gosh what just happened yes th thankfully she said yes <laughs> um i like gave the signal to her best friend who was originally supposed to be in France, but somehow came home early. She tossed me the ring, and I gave it to Paige, and she got to propose to me because that's I knew that was very important to her. And then the rest of the night, we got to go celebrate at her her favorite taco place. Her parents rented out this taco place. Uh, taco Dan's. Taco it's Dan's. it's a vintage shop <laughs> slash taco place. <laughs> slash, I don't know, like a dive bar. Yeah, so. it's, it, it was just it was so perfect. It was Beautiful. so perfect. Well done. Bravo, Eric. Well done. Well done. Well, community is it's so important to us. Community. Yes. And so I, I knew it was, it was important to have the people that we love to be yeah. there. So. Yeah. This is Russell Fugia listening to Leadership, Legacy, and Love. I'm here with Paige Robinette and Eric Barnes to celebrate their, the occasion of their wedding on the anniversary of Loving Day. So now we're in a very unique time now in COVID and... I guess, tell me a little bit about how the, the wedding planning process has gone. I know, I think, if I'm not mistaken, things were on hold, and then you decided to go forward with a virtual wedding. Tell us a little bit about, about that process and what that's been like on this, having that, taking that journey uh, during this season. Yeah, it, it's been hard. It's been hard and challenging and has, I think, tested us in ways that we never, or we haven't been tested before. Mm. Um, 
and it's not just the the wedding planning it's it's all of these different areas in our life that have been impacted it's the fact that eric works in a hospital it's the fact that um we our professional lives are up in the air it's um also impacted by the fact that um racial injustice is at the forefront of this country in such a pivotal moment and that is something that means so much to us um and we want to be in that fight as much as we can and so there's there's so many different things but back in march when we knew that we had to make a decision about june 12th and what we were going to do the the choice to us was obvious um in that we needed to postpone it a year um just to be as safe as possible especially with eric's work in the hospital and that was not an easy decision and um in many ways i think we're still grieving the loss of that opportunity to get so many of our loved ones in the same place and dance and hug and be together um, and our, our families are certainly grieving that as well but we have just been we didn't know what we were going to do at first if we were still going to get married that day and um it, after a few weeks of of eric working in the hospital it became very clear that life is so short we 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 really wanted to make this commitment to each other and not only just bring joy to our lives during this really tough challenging time but to also bring this joy and, and a reminder that love can still exist through this to our our friends and family too mm -hmm. so luckily people have just been so kind and encouraging through all this and um we were making it happen we've been able to pivot to a virtual ceremony on june 12th i'm learning things about technology i've i've never known um <laughs> wow <laughs> it, it's it's a whole new world um it, it's a whole production really and we have just been so grateful for the people that are contributing to us mm -hmm to make it work. We have someone that's going to produce it via Zoom on the back end. Um, we're, we're getting married in a friend's backyard and our friend Kip, who is living there right now, he's gone above and beyond to build a whole setup for us. Mm -hmm. So we can watch the, the screen on a, on a television while connected to Zoom and have a mic. And it, it, people are just so, it just is a really amazing reminder of the incredible community that we have. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a big, and I'm also gonna say from a different point of view, uh, I think the pandemic has really made us kind of step away from the celebration that it is to mm. like to try to find the meaning behind it all yeah um because i think when we were still planning on being in person there was all these like oh my gosh all of our little friends, details well there's like all of our friends are coming for this giant celebration it's gonna be a giant party it was like oh like what yeah. what better time to like have all the friends from different aspects of our lives and different chapters of our lives to come, come together, together and just, and just be, be together. together it was it was going to be such an amazing thing right um but the the pandemic kind of was like okay well now that we don't have that what what does why are we getting married yeah it's like what is what does a wedding mean to us <laughs> yeah what does marriage mean to it us? strips everything down yeah. to and now it's like we're sort of we have to look in the mirror right mm -hmm. and we've been having tough conversations but also really meaningful conversations about yeah what does marriage mean and um how are we going to 
get through challenges like this in our life in the future. So that's a good point. Yeah, it just made us really, I don't know, dig a little deeper and just face these important conversations that might have happened just a little bit later. Yeah. And I think that's at least a silver lining that has come out of this cloudy, cloudy time. Well, I certainly commend you and admire you for your courage and for the level of thought and introspection this, this season's required to, to acknowledge that and embrace the moment, right? Um, because I think we all have learned that Tomorrow is not promised, and there's no such thing as normal yeah. and, and anymore in this world, and that we all have to embrace today and, and, and to embrace community in a new way, um, virtually and otherwise. And so it's just beautiful to hear how your community has come together to support and facilitate the virtual wedding and, and I just you know, hold on to the fact that there'll be a time and a season that come, will come again when we can gather and, and get on the dance floor together and, and, and have those types of celebrations, which are all so important. And I can only imagine for all of us will mean so much more when we are able to gather in that way again in the future. Definitely. Um, so, so real quick, uh, you know, definitely want to um, find out and understand the significance of Loving Day. And for our listeners who, who don't know you, if you could start by um, each telling me how you, uh, your racial self-identification mm-hmm. and anything you want to add that's significant to you about that and then the significance of loving day and choosing the anniversary of uh, choosing loving day and anniversary of the supreme court decision uh to be your wedding day yeah so i'll go first um this is Paige here i am a white woman i identify as a white woman and um i've always been passionate about social justice um i am even more so today, just aware of the privilege that I hold, um, taking up certain spaces, walking through life. Um, And so when I learned about this day a couple years ago, actually probably right when we started dating, Mm -hmm. it, it really meant a lot to me personally, because for me, it's a reminder that while this country has made so much progress and that it's an opportunity june 12th is an opportunity to celebrate um that june 12th is the anniversary of the supreme court decision that that legalized interracial marriage um and in the case was brought on by mildred loving a black woman and richard loving a white man um and so we've we've seen a movie that has come out about it we've yeah. read books about it and it has always just been a really sweet reminder to us again about that progress but in the same vein also about how far this country has to go mm-hmm. and that is really important to us and we could have never planned um what is happening in the unrest in our country right now mm-hmm. um and of course we never would have wanted that but if the silver lining from that is that people are paying attention mm-hmm. and people are speaking up and people are taking action and what an inc- incredible time again we could have never planned this for us to remind ourselves about how far we have to go to demand equity um and to demand that black people matter and black lives matter and that is really important to us um and so we we've just celebrated we don't have an anniversary right now we've always just celebrated that each year together and so when we found out that it fell on a friday and in 2020 we the stars just kind of aligned for us to get married yeah so um this is eric uh, eric barnes Uh, i identify as a korean 
um, American. Um, I come from a mixed family of uh, my dad being white and my mom being Korean. Um, and so this is just why this resonated with me. It was just I, I saw it myself growing up. I saw a, a mixed couple and I saw the disparity that um, my mom kind of had to go through um, in society. And I also felt it myself of growing up in a, a predominantly uh, white area um, in, in suburbs of of Ohio, outside Columbus. So I grew up seeing that as well and experiencing that. And so uh, to see it and to live it and just to find a partner that was also passionate about it was, I think it, it was just amazing. Um, it was, it it never crossed my mind that race, for us, it was all about like the love. And, but then as we started dating, there was always like, okay, like meeting family or f- other things mm-hmm. um, where that became a topic that was brought up where like oh well he's 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 asian so is he a foreign exchange student um or is he like just are they just hosting someone and i was like no that like that's that's the boyfriend and so that still happening and that was still like the mid mid 2000s um it was like oh wow this this still is a subconscious that exists in society and so as we kind of fell on a date and just learning more about loving day it was just like this is everything that is important to us everything that like to realize how how love overcomes and also how how far that our country still needs to go that it had to be legalized to like even be accepted um so it, it it was important and i and for us that as Paige passionately indicated, like this is very important to us. Um, a lot of our friends identify as people of color. A lot of our friends develop, uh, identify LGBT, and there's a lot of things happening nowadays um, that people aren't able to love who they want to love. And so, for us, we wanted to celebrate this day because it was so mo- momentous and such a big yeah. step for so many couples, so many people, and for this country. So um, that's why it was very important for us and. I'm just happy that we're we're still going to be able to do it. Well, thank you for that, and you know, obviously, I think I, sh- and I share with you, Paige, it's, in, it's important to me. Of course, first and foremost, my wife is white, and I'm a black man, so I am leading a, uh, you know, a, in a multiracial family, and understand that dynamic and, and the history. And then I have you know a number of uh, great great grandparents um, who were who were black and white, and my uh, great great great. My great-great-grandmother, Josephine, from uh, Irish immigrant, and William um, from North Carolina, we believe, um, met in Baltimore and had to come to Washington, D.C., the federal city, in order to get married because Maryland was the Jim Crow South and mm-hmm. um, mar- interracial marriages were not legal um, over 120 years ago. So there's certainly uh, my awareness around Loving Day and the significance of it, and then what we've been able to see happen in the last decade um, when the laws changed around um, same-sex marriage um, have certainly been a reminder uh, to me about this country and the progress that has been made. And of course, in recent weeks, we've been reminded of the progress that still needs to be made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but of course, we, were, we remain hopeful and encouraged as we look back to try to learn those lessons and memorialize them and, and, and interpret them so that we can find the path forward. And that's what's so beautiful about today being Loving Day, and it's so beautiful that um, you guys agreed to share your story in this space. So I want to thank you, and if there's anything else you want to add or share before we conclude, I really appreciate you guys sharing a little bit about your life and your story, 
and I want to congratulate you on the occasion of your wedding and wish you nothing but the most peace and happiness and love today and all the days ahead. Thank you so much. Um, it's is a, I know it's 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 a very special thing to be able to reflect on like how far you've come and take the time because life gets hectic. So it's it's easy to get caught up and so it's nice to take a deep breath and kind of look to the to the beautiful things that exist. Um, but also this is just just the beginning. Um, loving day happened and that was a momentous occasion. But there's still a lot that needs to be done. Um, and like marriage, marriage isn't just one day. It's <laughs> it's it's going to be a continuous thing. And so I think just continuously celebrating and and pushing and be reinvigorated um, to fight the fight and just to make sure you live the life that you want to live um, is the most important thing to focus on. And Paige, as you conclude, could you tell us uh, our listeners a little bit about the Focus Hope fundraiser you guys are doing uh, as part of your your wedding in lieu of gifts? Absolutely. Yeah. So we are asking for donations. We know this is a challenging time for everybody. Um, but if people are able, um, we're, we're asking for donations to Focus Hope. Uh, Focus Hope is an organization, a nonprofit, uh, primarily based in Detroit, Michigan. And uh, it's an organization that serves to um, combat racial injustice and poverty uh, and empower residents of, of Detroit. And um, it is particularly, my, my family, we've introduced it to, to Eric, my family has supported Focus Hope for a while um, because of the programs and the, the offerings and, and how it serves residents of Detroit. Um, I personally got involved with it in high school. I was able to be part of one of their programs called Generation of Promise. And it connected students from across Metro Detroit. So um, students in the in public school in the suburbs, like myself, to students in private school, to students in inner city Detroit. And for me, it was a pivotal moment um, to understand not only the privilege that I held um, as a white person, but also the privilege that I held even being in a couple miles away. Um, in the suburb of Detroit, um, just just in terms of the education system. And I, I was able to build, build some really meaningful br bridges during that program um, that now, when I'm able to reflect on it, impacted the trajectory of my entire career. Um, so it is a really special organization, and they are responding to COVID, and now I'm sure responding to all the protests in the, the country as best they can right now, um, but they need our help. Excellent. And our, to all of our listeners, please make sure you find the link in the description of this episode and make a donation and support this wonderful cause and to support this beautiful couple today. So with that, I thank you guys both for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you, Russell. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is uh, Leadership, Legacy, and Love. Again, please do uh, leave us uh, a review and subscribe and share this episode of the podcast. Please do consider making a donation to Focus Hope on behalf of Paige and Eric on this wonderful occasion. And, of course, you can find me at Russell Huguet across social media. Thank you. Uh, God bless you. And until next week, uh, we will be right back here in this space to share a little bit more very soon. Thanks for listening. God bless.